Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then and you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh yeah, that is the million dollar question. Do you want to change that about yourself? And you know, people don't know. I mean, they definitely want badly to get better. And yet they don't necessarily want to put the work into it to make things different. Hi, I'm Carol Jurgensen. Chief. we got a lot to talk about. I am telling you, my book comes out June 1st. I am so excited. Help them heal. You know, that's teaching both of you as a couple how to heal after sexual betrayal. So very important. And why do I say that? Because what I know to be true is that you won't heal until you get healthy. And um, the best way to get healthy is to work the recovery tools individually and relationally. And that's what we want you to do. That book is coming out. You can buy it on Amazon. It is the Bible for how to, how to work together and work through this addiction. So I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, it's amazing. And we've got some other amazing things coming up. Actually, tomorrow, there is a new, but the two-year-old summit on addiction. And, you know, we certainly know that with sex addiction, If you learn how to curb that addiction, drug and alcohol addiction um, increases. And if you're doing drugs and alcohol, that increases sexual addiction. And so today I am so excited to be talking to a dear friend who's also a CSAT and 
has made it his mission to educate others. So, John, I want you to introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell them about the summit. Carol, absolutely. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. So my name is John Ricochi, and I'm the founder of Brilliant Strategies, where what I do is I coach loved ones of addicts on how to set their families free from addiction. So who I focus on is loved ones. I know that uh, addiction doesn't just affect the person who's struggling with the addiction. It affects everyone around them, everyone they care about. So what I've done is put together a summit, one-day live summit, which you're right, starts tomorrow. And I've got 12 incredible speakers lined up, and one of them is the amazing Carol the Coach. So I'm so excited that you're going to be joining us tomorrow uh, for the summit. So, yeah, it's a one-day live event, and uh, uh, 12 speakers uh, throughout the day are going to be interviewing them. It's going to be a full day. It's called the Family Recovery Summit. And so the intention of the summit and why I put it together is to give loved ones of addicts tools on how to uh, unhook their family from the cycle of addiction. I know that when loved ones are trying to help someone they care about to um, to think about recovery, to navigate, uh, to, to consider it. Some loved, some people who are addicted aren't even sure that they're ready to to get sober. They're not even sure that they want it. And loved ones from the outside looking in can think, um, it seems so obvious. Why don't we, I can see the wreckage it's causing in their life. Why don't they just want this? And sometimes we can want it more for them than they want it for themselves. So this event is uh, to help loved ones to know what works and what doesn't work. What do I say and what shouldn't I say? What is enabling and what is codependency? We've heard about these terms. Tell me what they mean. Tell me um, how to stop enabling. Most loved ones know these terms. We know that we're not supposed to do it, but practically what does that look like? Because I want to help. I want to do something, but um, I, I need help on to know what practically works and what doesn't work. So, uh, yeah, it's one day live event. Uh, anyone can uh, get registered at familyrecoverysummit.com. And uh, we'd be so happy to help you learn exactly what you can do to help your family unhook from the cycle. Yeah, so once again, that's familyrecoverysummit.com. It is a free, um, full day. And I'm assuming our listeners, as I know because you and I talked about it, they can listen to people live. And do they have a certain mm-hmm. amount of time that they can listen to this summit um, within a 24-hour period? It's uh, free to attend live. Yeah, so it's, it's free to attend live. And if a person can't come for the whole day, a person can register and jump in and out. It's going to be over Zoom. So if you've got an appointment in the middle of the day or something you need to, to hop off, you can do that and jump back on. So it's nice that way that it's a, it's a full, full day. At 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time will conclude by 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So a person can hop in for as little or as much as they're able to. So it's free to attend live. The recordings are available uh, uh, to purchase, and there's also other things that go along with, uh, with the recordings as well. Yes, and I mean, this is an opportunity to hear from the experts at, who can help families figure out how to deal with enabling and you know, how do you set those boundaries? What kind of consequences do you set up? How do you take care of yourself when 
addiction robs family members of their sanity. How do you get that sanity back? It can be really, really tough. And that's why, you know, this is something that obviously you have put on. Uh, this is your second year, is it not? Correct, yep, you bet. Yeah, so again, the Family Recovery Summit, and don't cheat yourself from being able to access free information. You might really like somebody that you heard. They really may resonate with you, and if they do, there'll be opportunities to connect with that person too. I mean, clearly any of us that are doing speaking We'll have our email available so that you can reach out to us and, again, figure out what you can do to be a healthier person while dealing with family members that have drug addictions, alcohol addictions, sex addictions. Um, you know, we are a society, we trained our brains to want stimulation 24-7, and a lot of our family members unfortunately, have really taken it to a place where they can't stop. So, again, that's www.familyrecoverysummit.com. Is it not, John? Isn't that the the right? You got it. You got it, absolutely. Yeah, you bet. Familyrecoverysummit.com. And like you said, there's going to be uh, 12 different speakers, and everyone is, is unique. Everyone's got their strength. There's going to be coaches, psychologists. There's going to be CSATs, um, couples, uh, therapists as well. And there's a, uh, um, two people that are specifically going to talk about uh, partner betrayal. How do we move on after a betrayal in a relationship? And I'm really looking forward to hearing from them because I think that's, that's something that's uh, so, so key. Because one thing that um, mm-hmm. a lot of loved ones can can hear is that if there's a betrayal in a relationship or if there's uh, addiction in a relationship, how do we deal with that? And there's messages that can can that we can hear that um, when we misconceptions around boundaries is just set boundaries and almost get them out of your life. You just need to disconnect from this person, and um, that's absolutely a misconception as difficult as betrayal and trauma can be, there are ways that we can heal. It's, uh, and we need support with that. It's not an easy road, but it's a possible road. Um, I'm so looking forward to hearing from those uh, speakers. And there's so many that are going to talk about all kinds of other things. But, um, and it's also, like you mentioned, it's, it's uh, um, addiction is addiction. So we're going to be hearing about how do we recover from sex addiction, like you mentioned, substance addiction, gambling, uh, kleptomania, and shoplifting. There's a speaker who's going to be uh, talking about that as well. So um, uh, attendees are going to hear a variety uh, from, from a variety of speakers, a variety of uh, topics. There's going to be something for everyone, whether you're just starting out on this journey of um, healing your family from the effects of addiction or whether you've been doing this for a while, there's absolutely going to be something in it for everyone, whatever stage that you're at. And I got a question for you, John, because I know some people on this list and some heavy hitters. Uh, My very own co-author of Help Her Heal is going to be speaking, Alan J. Katz. And is he one of the people that's going to be talking about partner betrayal? He is, yes. 
Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I didn't realize that you guys were connected. Somehow I missed that. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. He, he wrote a chapter for my book. He wrote the intimacy chapter. And Alan and I go way back. Obviously, all three of us, you, Alan, and myself, are CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. And Alan has just published a new book with Michelle Sapir. So that is a great book, too. I I promise our listening audience, you've got to listen to this summit because you're going to get so much information. And, John, you and I both know, I, I talked about whack-a-mole, the fact that if one addiction gets better, another one may pop up. But so <laughs> yeah. oftentimes when, when you've got a dopamine-deficient brain, stimulation is, is like food to an addict. And so they'll dabble in everything, gambling, spending, eating, drugging, um, sex. And, and so it behooves our listening audience to become educated not only on the different addictions and how they show up in our lives. Also, boundaries are almost invariably the same. Enabling is the same. I mean, really, if you don't feel secure in how you've handled a loved one who has an addiction of any type, this summit will give you good practical tools that will lead you down the right path. And, and I said it earlier, it's really about not letting your own brain get hijacked by the fear, the worry, and the anxiety that comes along with loving someone with an addiction. Wouldn't you agree? I think enabling why, you know, a great question for loved ones to ask themselves is why do I enable? Um, What's what's underneath it? We get to look at our, at at our own motives, what's underneath it. And not, and there's always um, in my experience, it's self-serving. Enabling does something for us. It's kind of the quick fix for us. Addicts are looking for a quick fix to, to alter their emotional state, um, we do the same thing as loved ones. We want a quick fix. What makes us feel better in the moment when we feel like we're powerless, I don't know what to do, how do I support? Enabling can give us that quick fix. It feels like we're doing something, but it relieves the pressure for us. And in relieving that pressure for us, it's actually not helping. It feels like it's helping the situation, but it's not helping. It's just keeping them dependent on us as their source. So we get to step out of that and allow them to experience the consequences of their actions so that they can um, take the steps, that, um, the, the genuine, legitimate steps that are actually going to help them unhook from the cycle. And we get to look at ourselves and unhook as well. Mm-hmm. So because I've got two more guests coming on, I just want to remind our listening audience, go now to www.familyrecoverysummit.com. The presentation is May 24th, and it is going to be amazing because it has so many experts, so many people that are really working hard to teach you some of the life-saving skills to take care of other people. So, John Wakachi. Thank you so much for coming on. Looking forward to this free live event tomorrow. And um, I've got Dan Drake and Janice Connell on next talking about full disclosure. So i got to go. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Carol. Look forward to our discussion tomorrow. See you.
All right, John. Take her easy. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. And so I know that I um <laughs> I wasn't thinking. I had a beginning speaker and now what has happened is you couldn't call in, right guys? <laughs> but that's okay, you're on Zoom. So please, um, make it your own. That was John Rakashi, and he's got a family recovery summit coming up tomorrow. And um, so he wanted to talk a little bit about it and, and let our audience know. How are the two of you doing? Janice, you just flew, flew all over the world, and now you're back? Well, I didn't fly all over the world, but I went back home, which is kind of like flying back in time. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, just healing from the flu last week, but I'm doing great right now. Oh, boy, I saw you chugging some water, so you stay hydrated, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we're talking about something important today, you know, and I can't keep up with you two. I mean, you are writing like crazy, and your mission is to educate people full therapeutic disclosures. And so I'm just going to ask, Janice, your book is different than Dan's book. So would you talk a little bit about your book, and then we're going to check in with Dan and find out about his book. Well, um, I don't think it's really fair to say my book. I think it's mine and Dan's book because we sort of, we worked, um, you know, we worked in conjunction with each other. So there are large sections of, of both the Addicts and the Partners Workbook that are fairly identical, just maybe some, some pronouns changed or mm-hmm. a point of view changed. And then um, the largest section of difference is um, in the actual preparation. Um, and part of the piece I had to keep in mind for, like, preparing partners uh, for the full disclosure process is um, how little control that we, we often have over that piece, whether it's how long it takes to be ready for it or dealing with uh, trauma triggers um, that might actually even escalate in the, the preparation process and the disclosure itself, mm-hmm. and uh, how to, like, prepare them in a way that it both meets their needs, which means there had to be some kind of um, exercises that really helped them figure out and differentiate needs from wants, um, and then how to do it in a way, how to prepare in a way that they the best chance of getting their needs met. Mm-hmm and prepare in a way that they're actually stronger. They gain some recovery skills mm-hmm. in the process of preparing that, that they then can use for the, the rest of, um, um, of, of their recovery process. And then for both Dan and I, how to do that in a way where the partner and addict are, um, even though preparing sometimes separate focus, but to to doing that in as collaborative a way as as could be done uh, um, using common language, a common understanding, Mm -hmm. and really toward a a shared purpose of restoring truth Mm -hmm. um, in the relationships so that that the possibility of of trust um, and rebuilding a relationship can begin. 
Well, I know, and that's what I love about your books, because truly it's not just how to do the formal therapeutic disclosure, but you give tips and tools, and you explain what a coupleship needs if they're going to rebuild trust and get healthy. And so from start to finish, both of these books are amazing at really being able to navigate a couple through the beginning process of figuring out the truth and then what they can expect thereafter. And so I just want to remind you that that Janice and Dan's book for the partner is Full Disclosure, Seeking Truth After Sexual Betrayal. And I refer to it as her book, but it's because, (laughs) because I know that if, if, I know that this was your baby. You two worked together collaboratively, but it really was your baby to help partners feel safe. And Dan is very partner sensitive. But being a CSAT, as Janice is too, as I am too, I mean, really, you wanted to help the addict do this in the most appropriate um, and structured way, both for him, because we all know that sex addicts, it's hard to remember all they're acting out. And there's that tendency to avoid and be in a bit of denial. And, Dan, you crack the case in the book. You're, you talk about how to get to all that information. Could you share a little bit about, full disclosure, how to share the truth after sexual betrayal? Yeah, thanks, Carol. Um I won't say, you know, I, I don't know if Janice would say this too, but we, we, we actually never set out to write books no. on disclosure. That wasn't, that wasn't actually our, our intent to begin with. So I just want to say that from the outset. Um, we were working on another project together, and uh, this, this became the, the outflow of that. Um, we, we kind of put our resources together. But, yeah, and, and I can hope you can hear me. I'm, I'm a little scratchy, but, I just uh, turned you up a little bit. Turn you up a little bit. I just turned you up a little bit. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So on, for for the on the addict side, um, what we really wanted to do was to I found myself saying the same thing over and over and over again to, to clients that I've been working with, mm-hmm. and I felt like there's probably a better way to do this that would save them time, save them money. Um, you know, instead of paying for my time to, to repeat the same stuff, can we, can we like, formalize this process a little bit better? Um, so that's what we did. And I'll, I'll give credit to Janice. She's the one that made me think the first kind of, we did a 10-step idea uh, process for, for writing the disclosure document for a written disclosure. Um, and Janice, the first step was pretty critical, which we're calling open compartments, and that was, that was Janice's idea. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Carol, many – People, many men, uh, addicts I've worked with, they, they tend to want to avoid the, the pain or you know, compartmentalize the facts in the past. So we have to kind of open these compartments in their mind to, to jog their memories down, you know, go, go down memory lane and make sure they uh, can be as complete as possible in this disclosure document. So, yeah, I, we, we systematized it. Um, I found it will save people time and money uh, if they really work it. That's, that's really what we wanted to do. We wanted to, to lay out these are some, some steps that people can take on their own um, and then bring us to their guide uh, along the way so that will save them and streamline the process. I'm grateful for and to try and do it in as safe a way as possible. That's very 
uh, pay for the partner um, and healing for the restored relationship. Well, and you know, um, what I remember at, at a SASH conference, and for our listening audience, that's the Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health, is I was so excited to get to talk to these two. We were all on the board for APSAT, and they were on a mission to work on this book night and day, and I didn't get to see them. And Janice was my roommate, and I didn't get to see her. (laughs) And I was like, well, we should get the darn book done. I'm missing my new buddy. So, um, you know, here you are, the book. The books are so comprehensive. And now there's a rumor that there's a third book. So before we go into the training aspect that you guys have going on, is there a third book? Well, there's a third volume for the partners, okay, Um, which is uh, post-disclosure healing, which which should be be probably on Amazon in twice June. Okay. There's – because we have so many complicated things to, to like describe Dan in the way that these books came about. Um, the, the, um, the book for the disclosing party, otherwise known as the blue glass book, okay, um, is, is three volumes all in one. Um, wow. The partners books is, yeah, the partners for the partners preparation because I'm also dealing with, you know, trauma reactions. So really required um, like a, a more material in it, and so we chose to bro- break those up. So volume three for partners um, was it was not included in the prep material that will be out soon, and and then Dan and I, I don't know if we'll, we'll, what we'll do with this Dan, but we're we're experimenting with a little bit more of the relational process that comes even after the impact statement. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there'll be something that, I don't know when that will come to pass. Well, this is what I heard you say, listening audience. Now, this is all my speculation, but this is what I heard them say. And I don't even know that I'm right. But I heard that they may be experimenting with some theory and some applicable skills to help the clients, the coupleship, partners heal further in on their journey. Is that what I heard you say, Janice? That would be, there's one piece missing from that. You might also let the audience in that at least some of the components that we will, we theoretically might be using yeah. might actually come from a, um, a really fantastic book, Help Them Heal by um, Carol Sheets. Oh, my goodness, that book is coming out. Next week on June 1st, <laughs> what, isn't that an amazing thing? No, oh, I would love that. And now I'm just going to tell you the good news for me, um, that I uh, have been asked to join the faculty of the Mindfulness Center and to create a mindful module for couples wow. so that they can yeah. heal and you know, you spoke at Janice when you said you really want to, um, that last part of what you do in your book is about helping them to heal from their brain to heal from all that trauma. 
and that's what I'm getting to do a little bit of too. So you guys, I was writing it last yesterday, and I was mm-hmm. so excited to be doing another PowerPoint presentation, but I really was. <laughs> And I, you, I'm so excited for that, Daryl. That's amazing. Congrats. Well, I got to tell you, Darren Ford is a genius. And he, for the listening audience, you're just getting the whole scoop today. Uh, <laughs> he is the, the publisher for my Help Her Heal and Help Them Heal and Unleashing Your Power book. He also is a CSAT, like all of us. And he, he has three mindfulness centers in California. So he has put together mindfulness courses for clinicians, and he might even be talking to me about how do we do that for coaches, too. And you and I, we all know that we are proponents for coaches doing a lot of this work because they are so gifted and so talented. So that being said, guys, you have something really exciting that's probably going to be occurring, is it next year in 2023? Mm-hmm. That's the plan. That okay. is the plan. Okay, so I'm going to ask Dan. Dan, you and Janice have been doing workshops for professionals on how to do formal therapeutic disclosures, but now you're taking, you and Janice are taking it to another level. Tell our listening audience what you're doing. Well, we are really excited to be partnering with Access uh, to be providing a disclosure guide certification program. So we're, we've been working on this, um, but to really, really help therapists, help coaches, help professionals to you know better facilitate the disclosure process. So we're, we're creating a, a certification. And it's my understanding that it's almost created. You're just putting the finishing touches on them. And we're packaging it, yeah, we're, we're exactly. Okay. And I don't know who the creative genius is in packaging and, and all, but Janice, I know you have an innate skill. So tell us what you hope to achieve by creating certificate, this training and certification for clinicians and coaches. Well, ultimately what we hope to achieve are um, – partners and addicts going through the full disclosure process with less held in, with more um, healing, with more empowerment that ultimately um, results in the same, the same for couples. Um, ultimately, we're hoping for, for uh, hearts to heal um, as well as kind of um, standard recovery with that. But, but for um, people who might be taking the training, I'm, what I'm hoping for them is kind of what Dan and I got. Because once we decided that we were going to be doing workbooks for disclosure, we had no intent that these were going to be comprehensive. Like we were going to be doing the like quick version knockout um, until we started to put on paper all that we actually do and then discussing like the nuances of how to go about that in a way that really honors three recoveries, mm-hmm. um, the addict, the partner, and the, and the couple, uh, the couple recovery. Uh, and um, this baby grew because, um, you know, I would read something that Dan had written, um, and which was fantastic. And I'm like, oh, 
the partners don't know this. They're not going to get that this is a piece um, of his healing process. I've got to write something in the partner's workbook so that they, they understand this. And then the same with Dan. I would create an exercise on, on boundaries. And Dan's like, oh, i gotta, I got to warn them. I don't want you know the addicts about this piece. So that really and truly, we it took us a while, but we got really in step. I learned a tremendous amount, um, and the thing that happens all too often, not by intent, but because frankly, because I think sometimes um, therapists who do disclosures or super busy practices. Um, you have a conversation here or there, you think you're in step with the way that you do disclosures, and, and too often you figure it out in the middle of the disclosure, um, and, and, uh, and sometimes couples get caught in, in, in the crossfires mm-hmm. with that. And so we really wanted a process that not only keeps um, both members of the couple like united, at least in the purpose and how they're preparing themselves but also one that really helps the therapists, the coaches, and other professionals who are doing that. So that was my, my ultimate guide. Um, and I, I just think I just told Dan this last week because I also do intensives. And it's really gratifying because uh, I do intensive and full disclosure, like five-day full disclosure intensive. And I am seeing people show up. And, um, you know, and they've already done a lot of work because they're using the workbooks. And what that allows for me is actually to focus on quality. Mm-hmm. And the, the better the quality, the better the healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's my intent. Well, I, did, I, did I miss something, Dan? I, you said it beautifully. One thing I would say just to add is um, our hope is not to create a, some sort of cookie-cutter approach or that this is the, yeah. the, the only way this has to go. We actually, one reason of the workbooks became so big was we wanted to look at what are the choice points, what are the decision places that couples need to decide what they want this disclosure to look like. So our hope is to better train professionals so that they can help their clients make those, those decisions for what they want the disclosure to look like. Um, and, and that's that's a big part of what what my heart is with this is because the disclosures are difficult period. They're difficult to do. They're difficult to go through. But the, the worst stories I've heard from professionals are, are from the two facilitators that maybe aren't on the same page. So mm-hmm. usually the, the worst case scenario is when you've got, like you said, Janice, you maybe have two people with different ways that they do it, different philosophies, and then they get in their own, their own way and then they get in the way of, of the couple um, healing. So what we're trying to do is, is at least uh, streamline the process so that, so that the professionals can better um, facilitate this and make it so helpful and healing for the, the client. Well, I just have one piece of that is there's choice, but it's also informed choice, which is really crucial mm-hmm. for the professionals involved there. So that um, it's, it's, it's a choice of like really carefully examining what's in need um, and, and making those choice, those navigating those choice points. Um, from an informed stance. Yeah, you know, this is a process. Um, if we have people that have never done it, it, we all believe that the partner deserves to know the truth. And this is the process that creates that. And then, in addition, the secondary gain is that the addict 
um, lets everything out and is no longer held hostage by deception and lies and, and secrets. And so mm-hmm. it's a therapeutic process for both, and as Janice said, puzzle, is that for the couple then, they can decide if they want to rebuild the relationship. And I know my experience is that most couples do want to rebuild the relationship, but they need the safety to do that. And the disclosure is such a huge process in establishing that safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for our listening audience, uh, if, you've, if you've done a bad disclosure, and I, I hear this now more and more, People that have done a disclosure, a bad disclosure, and did you call that hell damage or hail damage, Janice? Oh, I, I, I was thinking hail, H-A-I-L, but you know what? Uh-huh. Now that you say it, the, um, the other version might actually be a little more accurate. I thought, how ironic. I think I heard both in that. Because if it's not done well, it really leaves a lot of collateral damage. And so they will come in and say, I want to do another disclosure. I want to do it right. And in part, they know about doing it right because of Janice and Dan. And this really is an opportunity to do the homework to know not only how to do it, but what to expect and what to expect from your therapist or coach, you know. And and that's a beautiful thing when we can educate our clients as to what they may need or want, and then they can kind of direct things and say, well, this is what I want to do. Because we all know that ultimately they do get to decide, you know, where does it start? Does it start when they first, when an addict first got fused with porn? Or or is it something she just wants from the minute she met him or the minute she got married? You know, in lots of ways, the partner is in the driver's seat. You know, it's, it's her brain that we're protecting and we're teaching him how to protect our brain, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's such a great way to put it. And I, I would say that's even a, a, what you say, Carol, is not always what happens with other professionals. Um, sometimes the, the partner doesn't get choices in this. You know, take a simple, where are we doing the disclosure? That, that simple question sounds very simple, but, you know, you'll ha- you really want to know that. It, it's... <laughs> Are you going to, is the partner going to have a choice in where this, this happens? Is it going to be in her or his safe room, therapy room? Is it going to be in a neutral space? Is it going to be somewhere? We've got to figure this out. Or, or remotely, these days, more is happening. So, I mean, even a simple question like that, you know, will bring up a professional's you know, philosophy on how they do this. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like you said, it can be done a zillion different ways, but certainly – we're all CSAT and we're all APSATs. And um, I hope I don't speak out of turn, but we really believe that this disclosure is for the partner and he is, you know, 100% responsible and accountable for helping this happen. And so I really want her to make that decision of what would make you feel the safest. And yet the problem lies in... Um, Sex addict training groups have been around longer than partner-sensitive training groups. And so, in some ways, they started talking about disclosures way before organizations like ASAP was ever even born. And so, they kind of think, well, this is our baby. 
you know, and, and not criticizing them because that's what they knew and know. And then we kind of think, oh, well, you know, really we want to protect the partner, which means that maybe it is the partner and his or her therapist that hold this space for her. And so beautifully, Dan, that sometimes we can power struggle with each other. And I remember Barbara Stephan saying this to me. I had done a disclosure with somebody who started to argue with me during the disclosure about how I was doing it. And, and you know, I just kind of set some boundaries. And when I was sharing that with the great Barbara Stephens, president, founding president of AppStats, she said to me very appropriately, do not put your client in that position of seeing the two of you struggle. And she says, call a timeout and a huddle, and away they go to talk about, hey, this was something we hadn't discussed, and now let's discuss it because we don't want it to be uncomfortable for the two people that are really wanting to feel safe and to get through this in the right way. And you know, when you know better, you do better. And that's what your books are all about, keeping people safe. Janice? I'll just add to kind of back up what both you and Dan said, that Dan and I did a little bit of informal kind of research, Mm -hmm. survey research, um, because we wanted our ideas to actually have some credence. Um, And the um, other than... um, other than that, um, the, the attic actually not being truthful during the disclosure, mm-hmm. the, the, the things in the, for the partners of, of what made disclosures designated in their mind as, as harmful instead of helpful had to do with, um, you know, it, it had to do with um, not feeling like they were adequately prepared, you know, by whoever their God was. Uh, so that the the um, the reality was so far from where they were prepared that they uh, they had prepared that they were harmed in that not, in not knowing the possibilities, but also in the way that the that the, that the guys, the therapists, the coaches conducted them, themselves was really so crucial in terms of whether this is a very painful event, but ultimately it's helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Or this was a very painful event, and there were additional kind of wounds that didn't really need to be there. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of want to validate what you, what you said in that process, Carol. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what I love the most is after doing disclosures, I can see that they both feel that sense of relief, like it's done, it's over, now more than likely, there may be a polygraph afterwards. Maybe there was a polygraph before. In rare cases, at least for me, there may not be any at all. I have had partners who said, I don't want him to take a polygraph. So that's always an automatic because I said she's in the driver's seat. But what I love the most is after hearing a disclosure, I have many, many partners that say, Wow, I really get it. I get that he has an addiction. I got cold chills because that's one of our main points that we want her to to learn because up until that point, she may think it's about her. 
and it's not about her. He had a compulsive addiction that had nothing to do with her other than it broke her heart and affected her 100%. But it wasn't anything she did that caused his addiction. And when she hears all the acting out and the details, uh, the facts, she gets it. A light bulb goes off, and it just it does my heart so good to see that she's no longer thinking she contributed to his addiction. Dan, do you see that much? Oh, my gosh, all the time, yeah. I think that's such a good point. And, and I, I have a, a few two-minute soapboxes, maybe one of them is uh, <laughs> the, the choice point, right, is we, we can choose, um, I, I, like you said, because it's partner in the driver's seat, um, how far back are we going with the history? Mm-hmm. Uh, that may sound like an obvious. We can choose it, uh, since the relationship or prior to the relationship. Um, there are other professionals out there that would say, well, the partner has no right to know anything prior to the relationship because, you know, that's his story. My two-minute soapbox on that, or maybe less, is it's so helpful for that point you just said, Carol, to, for the partner to see, oh, this, this addiction started way before the relationship. It didn't just start in the relationship. You can see a history. You can see an escalation over time, typically. And, and so I think it's so freeing for the partner to be able to see, oh, this wasn't just me. This wasn't about me at all, actually. This was, was you know, he was doing this far, far before the relationship. So I think it's a really, really, really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to point out that it allows um, the partner to finally grieve and to grieve effectively rather than that sort of that stalled place that it's easy to be when you don't know if you know. Um, what you need to know. Peace with that. And, and then I, uh, I, I wrote, uh, you know, I took the lead on writing the, the workbook for partners, but I also have guided as the addict advocate as well. And I really, and even when I'm not, when I'm not doing this as a couple's advocate or the addict advocate, when I'm literally um, the partner's advocate, there's a beauty that can happen in his personal recovery and uh, his or her personal recovery as well. And I I very frequently find that even though the relationship um, may be in in sort of a rocky, fragile place until some some time and healing can happen, that there's often a boost to the the addict's personal recovery Mm -hmm. that's so like necessary and needed for the the addict then to be able to be there for the partner, mm-hmm. you know, as she processes that grief. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, in my book, Help Them Heal, I advocate at least 90 days recovery for him, and then the formal therapeutic disclosure followed by the emotional impact letter just because I think it's so important to at least offer her an opportunity or him uh, an opportunity to have a voice in all this and then the restitution letter which is really typically hard for men because that sounds like they're making an apology they're making an amends and at least the restitution that I find is the most neutral is one where he just lets her know he heard her pain and everything she said so that she knows he got it. And that's part of that transformation that you were talking about, that it's so therapeutically transformative for him to be able to help her heal. And we all know 
that's the journey we would love for them to start if they are so inclined. You know, if she goes through a disclosure or he, if one of them says, I just feel like we're done and we can't make this work or I don't want to, that's okay too. That disclosure was done in integrity and we also want them to work out a separation or even a divorce in integrity. Yeah. So can I do something? Can I put you both on the hot seat for one minute? And it's okay. It's okay if you say, I don't want to play. Okay. We've got three minutes and I want to go around each one of us and a 15 second horror story of disclosure. And I'm going to start. My client participated in four disclosures, mine being the last one, but one of her disclosures was done on her lunch hour in a 50-minute session with no preparation. Okay. Um, Dan, you're next. Um, I was just preparing somebody for disclosure. We did a pre-disclosure polygraph. And um, in the disclosure, long story short, it had the, the truth came out, he passed the polygraph, but it was difficult and painful, and one of the things was a really painful truth that the partner was going to learn. person said in the middle of the disclosure, because he, he even had passed the polygraph, he, 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 mentioned, he said uh, that the, essentially the polygraph, he basically lied in the middle of the disclosure um, about this piece of information uh, that was going to be painful for the partner to protect himself, I think, and then ultimately accused the polygraph examiner of lying. Uh, that didn't go so well, obviously. <laughs> I know, I, but I bet you were a master in navigating it. Uh, quite honestly, I froze. I have never seen that before. Uh, you know, I, I, I froze and I, I, I was like kind of dumbfounded that is this really happening? Uh, and I came to and I called a break to try and collect myself. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was that masterful to begin with. I just needed to collect myself to figure out, okay, how do we get this train back, back on track? Got it. Janice? Oh, which one to choose? Um, uh, probably the shorter one is a debate and switch, where um, instead of actually coming in with a disclosure, the addict just came in with an amends letter that um, included a lot of shots, you know, personal digs that the not knowing the history of the other his his, his advocates um, really wouldn't get. And the, the only blessing for me is I actually learned the night before and it's already kind of had an agreement with the partners, like no, no matter what happens, we're having this, we're going through with this. So um, stopping it is the train isn't really an option. And just a God thing that I happened to have my women's group that night and we turned it into an impromptu role play or disclosure scenarios, including the bait and switch um, scenario where even though she was in shock, we already we'd already developed the plan. But um, he didn't he didn't fail the polygraph, um, and I believe he was not sober with uh, other substances during um, the disclosure as well. So. Wow. Whew. Yeah. So that's why it is so important to do your due diligence as a therapist or a coach to set the structure to make this thing as safe as possible for both parties. And um, when you know better, you do better. And you have a couple of these, and you realize that 
You can even prepare ahead of time by making sure they know no substances, make sure they know about bait and switch and all the stuff that can really be harmful to the couple. So in wrapping up, um, I would encourage our listening audience to get thinking about a disclosure. It is, I called it because I endorsed them, the Bible for full disclosures. These two are masters in this process. They're the best in the business and they've written it down to save you money. I had not heard that before, but I like that. Because disclosures take weeks and weeks and weeks to prepare if you're gonna do a good one. So you're already on the road if you've got your Bible, right? And then I'm just so thankful. You know, we all together decided that we were going to create some certifications for our professionals to so that they they were trained properly and I cannot wait for this one to come out and I have to tell you I'm part of two organ three organizations and we're all chomping at the bit to learn more about full disclosures so um, get their books again they're called full disclosure seeking truth after sexual betrayal for the partner and full disclosure, how to share the truth after sexual betrayal. That is, that is a guidebook for addicts. And our authors, Janice Cottle and Dan Drake, um, thank you so much for contributing to, to this world. You are gifts from God. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for all you do and continue to do. We're excited to see your, uh, your, new, your new books coming out, too. Hey, did you like my picture I sent you? Love it. <laughs> yeah, I was in can the I say, Can I say, Carol, that I got the chance to advance read your book, and I've never been more excited about a book coming out. It is, you are, this is, of all the things you've ever done, this is going to be the one that makes the most difference. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And can I just say to my listening audience, because you know how much I love you, and to these two, Janice Cottle, after reading the book, and she had been through my IRCM certification training program, she said, Carol, you have got to read this book. This has to be an audible book. This is like I am in a 12-hour session with you. And that's how long it took to read this book to 12 hours. So. Thank you, Janice, for the encouragement, and uh, it was one of the funnest things I've ever done. So I loved it. And I found extra typos in it, but I can't do anything about it till it comes out. So it's all good, right, guys? It's all good. We, we still find typos. <laughs> no, I know. Thank you so much, guys, and um, come back and let us know when things continue to develop and you got new projects, okay? Thanks, Carol. All right, you take care. Okay, so that was Janice Cottle and Dan Drake and doing their full disclosure information for us. And uh, they're amazing colleagues, and I love them dearly. You could hear it in my voice, couldn't you? We are all such good friends. And, you know, we live on different sides. Janice is in, in Texas and Dan's in California. I'm in Indianapolis. Uh, we need to get a buddy from north, south, east, west, the west coast. No, the east coast. <laughs> okay. There will only be one of you at all times. So 
fearlessly have the courage to be yourself, get your butt to the summit tomorrow, and um, the book comes out next Wednesday, and hopefully Audible will have it by that point, too. So we'll see you next week for more Sex Health with Carol the Coach. Make it a good one.